Howdy, folks. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome to the Wednesday live stream. I think we're live. I think we're good. And I am glad you're here. Hopefully, it's not watching you watch an advertisement right now. If it is, sorry. <laughs> I'll see you in a moment. Anyway, good to be here. Um, it's been a cra- <laughs> I thought last week was crazy. Nope, this week was crazy. Or is crazy, I guess. But I'm glad to be here. For those that don't know, we do this every Wednesday, 7 p.m. PM Mountain Time, one of the few mountain times you'll hear out there. It's always Eastern or Pacific, right? Uh, California and New York kind of dominate, but mountain time's representing here. And uh, I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. And here we kind of geek out about fish. I'm going to tell you about my crazy week so far. Um, I'm a guy that ships a lot of fish and sells a lot of fish online. And uh, sometimes it goes smooth and sometimes it doesn't. It usually goes smooth, but not always. Um, anyway, I saw that I missed something up here earlier before I started the chat. I think it was Rod S. Rod, hey, good to see you. I didn't mean to ignore you. I was just getting the technology ready for the chat. And uh, Andy Gironi, well, it's only a short delivery for me. Yeah, we're practically neighbors. They say that Wyoming's just a, a small town with very long streets. <laughs> Lumpy Dog, hey, good to see you, Lumpy. Glad you're here. Thanks for posting the link to get gills. Lots of killifish for sale there, as Lumpy Dog is saying, if you're interested. Um, Lumpy Dog's got his eye on me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, ever since a few weeks ago, Lumpy Dog, when I totally missed that you were here after you'd been here for like half an hour and I didn't even realize, um, I've been keeping a good eye out, too, so I don't repeat that mistake. <laughs> All right, before we get started, um, just a quick reminder for everybody, if you have a comment or a question that you want me to get to, if you make it at Dan's Fish, let it populate, highlight, a little, type in the little at symbol, start typing in Dan's Fish, no space, uh, select me, and it'll highlight for me so I can jump right to your question or comment without having to scroll through the chat and it being really boring while you guys just watch me read chat. So that's kind of how we do things here. Um... Glenn Norton says, hello from the Jersey Shore. (coughs) Well, howdy, Glenn. I bet your weather's better than mine. Our high today was zero. Woke up this morning, it was negative seven. Topped out at zero degrees. So we almost got positive, but we never quite did. TM Aquatics, what's up? Good to see you. Glad you're here. For those that aren't following Tim Aquatics, he's doing some amazing things with a lot of plecos. So he's got uh, leopard fr- frog plecos breeding like crazy. A lot of neat stuff going on. So if you've only uh, tuned in the last live stream or two, then it's going to seem like shipping fish is a nightmare. and It's usually not. But this week, it's been a struggle again. So last week was hard. Um, It's understandable because that polar vortex was so cold. We still did surprisingly well, all things considered. Um, But last week, I was regretting shipping. And I wouldn't have shipped if I would have realized exactly how cold it was going to be across the nation. This week, the weather's fine. Like here, right in Sheridan, Wyoming, it's pretty cold. But just two hours away down in Casper, yesterday it was like 44 degrees. Um, you know, I'm just in a little micro pattern because I have these mountains right by me. But most of the nation, most of my state, 
is great weather. And so I was like, oh, this won't be a problem. I'll, I'll ship. So I shipped a ton of fish this week. Um, postage alone was over a thousand bucks. So if that, if that gives you an idea of how many fish went out, I don't, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was a, a ton of fish. And for some weird reason this week, again, usually it's not like this. Usually everything goes super smoothly, but for some weird reason, all the packages, which should have arrived uh, Tuesday or at the very latest arrived today. Some people live pretty far from like the, the sorting zone for the post office. And there are a few places that take two day, even with express. Only two packages, only two boxes have, re have been received so far. One yesterday and one today. So I've got a ton of fish in the mail still, and it's killing me. Um, I come from a theater background, and there's a play, uh, <laughs> a one-man show called uh, by Eric Bogosian called Pounding Nails Into the Floor With My Head. That's what this week feels like. And, and I'm not saying that I'm not asking for pity or like, oh, poor you or anything like that. It's usually not like this. It's usually great. But I have no clue what is going on. So part of why I'm telling this story is to ask you guys, does anyone have any idea? And I'm going to go to the post office tomorrow, by the way, and talk to the post office ladies and be like, look, what's going on? And do you know how long it's going to go on for? Because... I might not ship if this is going to keep being this way. Like I'll hold off till the problem's fixed or whatever. Um, but does anyone here have the inside track on what's going on? Does anyone here like work for the post office or, or have anything besides just theory about why the mail's taking so long? Some people suggested the government shutdown, but um, I, I checked on that. And from what I was told, um, the post office is funded kind of independently. It's considered a vital service, so it's not shut down. Um, they told me that they didn't think the government shutdown was going to be affecting their speed or anything. Weather's fine. So I, I'm kind of at a loss. So if anyone knows what's going on and how long it's going to be like this, I'm going to uh, I'm trying to get more information just so that I know how to plan next week. Do I fit? Do I ship next week or do I hold off? Because express which is usually next day a ton of boxes still haven't got where they're going and, and aren't going to get there till at least thursday and that's just crazy so it's been yeah it's been pounding uh nails into the floor with my forehead is kind of what it's been like and the customers have all been great it's not like anyone's yelling or screaming or anything like that i'm sure it's I'm sure they're anxious. I'm sure it's not fun to see check tracking and see like a lot of the fish didn't even leave Denver until this morning, which is insane. They should have left Denver like the night I dropped them off Monday night. They should have been leaving Denver. Um, so I don't know, but it, it's not because anyone's being rude or mean or or anything like that. Although I'm sure it's not pleasant for them, but it's just, I'm sitting here watching tracking. I, I'm watching like television and like, come on. And it's just that feeling of helplessness. Like I literally can do nothing. So that's why I titled the stream. JH Aquatics has the right idea. Like uh, we should all move to a tropical island. <laughs> this is, this is nuts right now. <laughs> anyway, that's the update. 
that's what's going on. If anyone has any inside information on what's going on with uh, mail being so slow, I would love to know what's going on. Um, but again, it's, it's usually never like this. In fact, I've never had it like this. Um, every now and then a package or two might get de delayed very rarely, but every now and then for some weird freak reason. But to have all but two packages on a massive shipping day not arrive by Wednesday, that's like weird. I've never seen anything like that. And by the way, some people have said like, well, you should ship UPS or you should ship, you should ship FedEx. And I have in the past. And as far as I can tell, if you take things, the long view of things, each one is just about as good as the next. So what I mean by that is what I used to do is I would ship FedEx and then I'd have problems with something would go wrong. So um, I talked to a UPS rep and switched to UPS. That went great for a long time. And then something went wrong. So I was like, man, what is this? So switch to something else. And what I found is that they all have problems occasionally. So I don't feel that switching carriers in a long-term view is going to solve the problem because I could switch and I have switched in the past and uh, it'll probably go okay for a little while, but then they'll have a problem. So no system's perfect. So and plus the cost is so much higher with UPS and, and FedEx. It's pretty darn high. So anyway, that's how it's been so far. If your fish haven't got to you yet, um, I'm still, I think anyone that gets their fish by tomorrow, I, I'm pretty darn sure they'll be okay. Temperatures aren't bad. I, I pack them kind of for the long haul. Um, if it goes past tomorrow, I have had packages go, you know, into Friday and Saturday in the past. Again, very rarely, but it has happened. And um, sometimes they're okay, sometimes they aren't. So, but that's kind of where we're at for this week. So it's been an interesting week. And again, if if you just listened to me the last two weeks, you're going to think that shipping fish is a horrible thing, but it's never like this. It really isn't. So it's usually just fine. Anyway, I'm going to get to some questions and comments in the chat. Um, Mr. DDS1520 at Dance Fish, what is the best treatment or cure for calum, calumane? I can never say it. The red worm, right? <laughs> Camelinus red worm. Um, I always... In my head, Camelinus and uh, um, Columnaris. Columnaris is a bacteria. Camelinus is the worm. They always like, like mix in my head, and I, I can never say them. Um, is there any hope? Fish get this worm. As I can hear, it can linger for a long time and never go away. It can destroy a fish room. Thanks. Oh, I think you can treat it. Um, Mr. DDS, I would uh, treat that with Levamisol. And I'm going to show you, like I have before, but um, let me show you what I think is one of the best um, websites for information on fish medication. It's right here. It's not glamorous. It's pretty old. Um, take everything with a grain of salt, even this uh, website. But here you can see about Levamisol. And if you click on that, it'll talk to you about what it treats and how to use it. Um, and yeah, Camelanus, um, 
is one of the main things it's used for. You can buy it from a feed store, a ranch supply store, um, livestock supply store, that kind of place. Or you can get it online if you can't find it there. It's on eBay for sure. And it's a, a drench. So what it is is this fine water-soluble powder. And if you use that, um, the, the drench I use, and I'm pretty sure they're all pretty much the same, but you know, check your dosages and things. But the drench I use, it's a quarter of a teaspoon for 100 gallons. So this stuff will treat one packet I bought a packet a year ago and I still haven't run out. Now, that being said, I don't have a lot of experience with Camelinus redworm. Um, thankfully, I haven't encountered it, but lots of people have. It's really common and a lot of people have treated it with, uh, with Levama salt. Seems to be one of the best treatments. And again, it's inexpensive and lasts forever. So that's what I would do. Um, and the way I would do that is, well, follow the instructions on that website, I suppose, but, and, and do some research, but you want to treat probably at least three times, like dose, wait three days, dose again, maybe wait a while, dose again, just so you can make sure you get the eggs at the part of the, the uh, worms at the part of their life cycle when they are um, susceptible to the medicine and it can be effective. Now, now I want to uh, do a huge disclaimer on that, that I'm not a veterinarian. <laughs> Like I'm totally unqualified to diagnose or prescribe uh, medicines for any animal. I just don't have the degree that's necessary. But if my fish had it, that's what I would do. So, um, yeah, just keep in mind, do your own research, get other opinions as well, and then do what you think is best. Because I'm not the end all be all by any means, but with fish medicine. And man, I wish I was. I, I wish I had that knowledge or had a neighbor that was a fish vet or something. They're just hard to find, especially in Wyoming, maybe in Florida, maybe in Oregon or Washington, where there's like fisheries and salmon hatcheries and stuff. But most of us just don't have access. So it's kind of hard. Um, back 40 Aqua. Hey, Dan, nice to see you. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Bob Kaler's sporting the link to the T-shirt. Um, if you want a t-shirt, I've got Dan's fish t-shirts and there's the link. Thanks, Bob. Tristan Schuster, is there any way to order fish, but wait on them to be shipped till it's safe? Yeah, of course. I do that all the time. So people order fish for me all the time and say, Hey, the weather's really bad. Um, let's wait a while. And I'm happy to do it. And I don't like charge like a care fee or a holding fee or anything like that. Now, if it's going to be a couple weeks or so, I'm happy to do it. If it's going to be longer than that, I probably won't just because I don't want to get to the point where there's an entire tank that I can't put a new shipment in or something um, because there's just a few fish in it that are sitting around. But almost always, yes, I'm happy to do that. The way that works is um, you put your order in at getgills.com. If you go to dancefish.com, that'll take you to my store at getgills. And um, just, and by the way, I can't speak for every store on Get Gills. I'm just talking about my store on Get Gills. Everyone has their own policies. They're all kind of independently owned and operated. But with my store, place your order, then send me an email and say, hey, can we hold these? Or send me the email, tell me what you're thinking of getting and say, hey, could we hold these if I order them? And, and we'll just make that happen. Now, that being said, we are working really hard <laughs> on Get Gills 
always to just improve it and make it better. Right now we're trying to make it super mobile friendly because there's some things on mobile that weren't functioning as smoothly as we wanted. So we're working on that. Um, but one of the next things in the pipeline uh, pretty soon here is going to be the ability to, to the ability to add a note to your order so that when you're placing your order, you can send the seller a note like, I prefer females or, um, you know, I'm going to be out of town next week. Could we wait till the following week to ship? Things like that. So pretty soon we won't have to do all this emails before or after as much. But for now, that's the only way to do it, Tristan. Um, Jackson Borkowski, the weather has still been awful in the Midwest. We've been getting a lot of snow. It's been extremely cold. I work for UPS and a lot of flights get canceled with weather like this. So maybe it's just flights being canceled, huh? Hey, Otter Creek. Good to see you. Um, yeah, I, I suppose. Although what's strange to me is that the weather in like, so the, so when I ship fish, they go from Sheridan to Casper and then from Casper, some, a few of them go different places, but most of them go to Denver and they go out from there. And the weather in Denver has been absolutely wonderful. And I have shipments going like all across the nation. So I can't understand why shipments going everywhere would be affected by one airport that had bad, bad weather in the Midwest. Because it's not like they go, I don't think, to a, a big hub in the Midwest and then go out. I think Denver's kind of the hub and they go out from there. So that's, you know, I, I get that, that that might affect a certain small region. Um, but I've kept my eye on the national weather before I shipped this week for sure. Cause last week I was like, Oh man, I better <laughs> be a little more cautious about this. And, um, yeah, there are spots where it's bad, but in general, it didn't look like the weather was going to be that bad to me, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Jackson, maybe, maybe it's weather wise. Um, Jonathan Santiago, I get paid next week. So be ready. All right, cool. Um, just let me know how your weather is when you order. <laughs> um, they're holding the fish hostage, said David Glaze. <laughs> um, yeah. For those that don't know, by the way, real quick, what Get Gills is, Bob Kaler just put a link there. Want to buy or sell fish in the link to Get Gills. If you're someone who has excess fish and you want to sell them, you can post them for free on Get Gills. When you sell them, um, then there's a small commission that goes to the maintenance of the website. But apart from that, it's like an instantaneous uh, money in the bank. So it's kind of nice. Lumpy Dog says, wait, doesn't Denver have legalized weed? Everything moving slow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the postal employees took a green day, huh? <laughs> Don Gallagher, hello. Well, hello. Welcome. Wichita, have you ever used methylene blue for shipping? I received some LO46 this week and they were packed with it. Any tips? I never have. Um, I take that back. I never have in my own with my own personal fish. I've worked places where we shipped fish and put different additives in there. And Honestly, they didn't measure it. They just went by color. So they'd add a drop. If it was the right color, they'd stop. If it was too light, they'd add another drop. So that's kind of how they did it. I'm sure there's more scientific ways. So that's not the way I do it. 
Um, and I've seen all kinds of things, methylene blue, I've seen nitrofurazone, I've seen um, probably oxytetracycline, I've seen um, all fish come in with all kinds of different additives and things like that. And I don't do, I don't use methylene blue. Um, I don't think it'd be bad to do, but what I prefer instead is I'll, I use salt and I use safe, Seachem safe and salt. Um, and that's basically what I do. So the, the safe will take care of any ammonia, hopefully <laughs> it'll mitigate ammonia, which is the, the main problem you have in the bag is ammonia. The other one is depletion of oxygen, right? But I use uh, concentrated oxygen, so that's really not a big problem for me. So I just want to guard against ammonia. The salt I put in there just because it helps fish in times of stress. It, it helps keep their uh, osmotic regulation where it should be without the fish having to work hard to keep it. Um, now, if I was doing a turn and burn, like the, one of the facilities I worked at, fish would come in. Um, and the goal was to sell them as quick as we could. So fish would come in, you'd rebag them sometimes the same day, ship them out. If I was doing a turn and burn type operation, then yes, you have to put in methylene blue or nitrofurazone or something like that, because the fish basically are unhealthy. Often they've been through so much stress that you kind of have to do that, uh, just to make sure they get to your customer alive. Cause that's the whole goal with a lot of this industry. And I have a big problem with it, but it's true. A lot of the industry is um, all we're trying to do is get the fish to you alive. So we can say we did that and then we're done. Now it's on you. Um, the way I do it, I take so much time to get the fish free of any bacterial infections or anything like that, um, that I haven't, I just don't have like, unless there's like a massive problem with delivery systems or something, I have so few losses that I've never found it necessary to do methylene blue or nitrofurazone or anything like that in shipping. But uh, Wichita, the times that it has been used, I've just seen it. It's just, it's by color. They just drop it in until it's like, oh, that's about the right color. So um, I'm sure there's a, a better way to do it, but I don't know what it is. Back 40 Aqua spotted South Dakota getting, no, SD, <laughs> getting reddish color behind the gill plate, a lot like reddish fin tips. Normal? What is a spotted SD? I don't know that lingo. I'm not hip to the jive on that one. So um, it's an SD. Silver dollar? Is this silver dollar probably? You know, I don't know a ton about silver dollars, so I don't know if um, red behind the gill plate is normal. I know a lot of them can get color on their fins. So, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not the best person back 40 to help you with that one. If I even understood what that was. I think I did spotted silver dollar, I'm guessing. Mr. DDS1520, much appreciated, thanks. Hey, you're welcome. Skippers Aquariums, hi, how you doing? I'm doing fine, I'm happy to be here. It's uh, shipments have been delayed. It's never fun, but um, doing as good as I can. I kind of obsess, like even when things go good, I ship fish and I'm, I'm not like a nervous wreck. I'm not like tearing my hair out or anything like that, but I'm always just 
on alert or um, it's always in the back of my mind until they arrive alive and the customer says, hey, they got here, we're good. Even when things go well, which almost always is the case. Weeks like this, where stuff is just delayed and there's nothing I can do and I don't, and the tracking isn't telling me a whole lot, right? Um, it, it has been a little rough. Like it's, I think about it a lot and like sleep becomes a problem. And then I start thinking, I think of a couple of things. I start thinking, well, what's the customer's experience like? Like, what are they going through right now as they wait? And they're in the same helpless kind of situation. Like, how can I make things as good for them as possible? And there's really not a lot I can do because I don't have any information that they don't have, really. So um, that's I'm always thinking about the customer. Then I'm thinking of the fish. I'm like, OK, put enough air in that bag. Oh, man, this species, they don't like the cold. So if they get cold, what's that going to do to them? This other species, they'll be fine. But, you know, it's, that's always whirling through my head. And then there's the finances. There are many thousands of dollars of fish in the mail right now, just sitting somewhere, just delayed. And uh, so then the business mind starts kicking in. And I'm like, what if worst case scenario, every one of them didn't make it? And then now I've got to resend or refund or somehow take care of the customer. And I'm like, oh, what's that do for my bottom line? What, how many fish am I going to be able to order for next week because of all that loss? So there's, it just, you know, this week's been like a blunder of thought in my head. It's, it's not good, but it's not usually like this. It's not usually like this. Jonathan Santiago, what do you think about shipping to California? Um, well, usually super easy, not a problem at all. Done it a million times. This week I've got a package going to where San Jose and it still hasn't got there. Usually California is no problem. So it's really simple generally <laughs> to ship from an area that's cold, like where I live to an area that's warm, like Arizona, California, Florida. It's also simple to ship. It's a little harder, but from cold to cold. Where it gets really hard is when you ship from a hot area to a cold area. Because if you live in Florida or somewhere, Arizona, that's warm, sometimes it's downright hot, and you put in a heat pack, then are the fish going to overheat before they get to the cool area where they're going? So, okay, no, I, I don't want to risk that, so I'm not going to put in a heat pack. Well, then are they going to get too cold when they get where they're going? So the the best I have of it as good as it can be, which is I live in a very cold area. So I put in heat packs and I send them. And if they're going somewhere really warm, hopefully the heat packs have kind of reached their peak and started dissipating by the time they, they get there. So I find it a lot easier to ship from cold to hot than from uh, hot to cold. So shipping to California is really easy. And usually it's next day. Uh, in California, because there's so much population. I mean, unless you live in Northern California, way out off the beaten path, which some people do. But in general, if I ship on a Monday, they're in California uh, Tuesday by noon or by three at the latest. So it's usually never a problem. This week, however, it's a problem. Small Fry Aquarium. Sorry, I'm late. Shipping. Send boxes from Ohio to Southern California, India, and Southern Ohio and Michigan. Cool. Michigan arrived dead. Oh, man. Everything else was fine on Monday. 
go figure. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. The Michigan didn't make it, but one, two, three, four, four. but I'm glad the others did. Uh, Skipper's Aquariums, I have 25 Swordtail Fry. What size tank should I use for grow out tank? So there's lots of options, but as big as you can for grow out. Fish, okay, so if they're over the stage where they need to be kept in a smaller aquarium just because they need food concentrated, then as big a tank as possible. And Swordtails get there really quick. I mean, they're born pretty big and well-developed. As soon as the baby Swordtails know what food is <laughs> and are going towards it as soon as you feed it, then you can move them to a pretty big tank and they'll be able to do that without any problem. So for grow out, I mean, you could do overkill and be like a thousand gallon tank. Maybe that's too big, but uh, we're not talking about that, I bet. So I would say pretty much as big a tank as you can. And the reason is just fish grow quicker when they have more water volume. So, and it's, it's more stable in environment and, and everything's, I don't know, everything's more stable and cleaner and just easier with larger water volumes. So that's what I would say. But 25 swordtail fry, you could raise pretty well if you do good water changes in like a 10-gallon aquarium. Once they get... So here's, here's something to know is that if you put fry in a container and you're feeding them and they're growing quickly, you're good. But once you notice the, the growth rate slowing down, then you might need to change something. So if you're like, you put them in a 10 gallon tank and they're growing quick, it's like, oh, perfect. But if you notice them slowing down, then maybe you need to uh, increase your water changes. Maybe you need to change them to a larger aquarium, something else, because until they get to kind of sub-adult size, I mean, it's not exactly even growth rate, but you should be noticing good growth. So that's something to keep an eye on, uh, Skipper's Aquariums. Tampa Tom, hey, Fish Bros, sorry I'm late. Had dinner with the whole family. All right, good. I guess you're excused. I don't know. To the principal's office. Tardiness shall not be accepted. Now, I'm glad you're here, Tampa. Jackson Borkowski, the Nothos I emailed you about earlier this week are doing great. Great. I treated with aquarium salt while waiting for Nitrofurazone and they cleaned up the fungus. Thanks for the advice. Cool. So you just needed the salt. That's awesome. Now, with nothos in, in general, and a lot of killifish actually, but nothos especially, yeah, keeping them with a little salt helps a lot. Nothos are very prone to velvet. And uh, so salt kind of helps with that. Harder water and salt, anecdotally anyway. They just seem to do better with that. But um, Jackson, I'm glad they're doing well for you. And that's awesome that they cleared up with... Uh, just, you know, clean water and salt. That's great. Don't use the nitrofurazone then, maybe. I mean, it's up to you if you suspect that there's something lingering, but yeah, that's great. And, you know, often that's the case. If something's kept in really clean water and stuff, it'll it'll often do, do well. Sorry, my phone's going off. Um, keep getting reminders and stuff. Let me turn off the volume because I've... I forgot to turn that off before I started. Sorry about that. Lumpy Dog. Crown Tail Half Moon. Sorry. Bleh. Lumpy Dog at Dance Fish. Crown Tail Half Moon. Do you make medicated fish foods? Um, <laughs> oh, 
one second, Lumpy Dog. I'm looking at your previous comment. Somebody tell Elon Musk to start working on the Star Trek transporter. Revolutionize fish sales. <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. So I don't use medicated fish food, and it's not because I don't think it's good. It's just because with the volume of fish that, that I bring in, um, I would go through a ton of it. And so I use other things instead. But if I only had a few fish, I might, I might use it. Is Lumpy Dog, is it something obvious that you're trying to treat or are you just trying to, is it like a prophylactic thing where it's a new fish and you're trying to make sure it's okay? So I guess the scenario, I guess it depends on the scenario, but I will say this. I think we err a lot of times in our treatment. There's nothing wrong with treating the water column, but often how do we know that that medicine is actually getting inside the fish? So a lot of the medicines are maybe treating external things, but there's a lot of things that can be internal infections as well. And we might not see it or even know it, but if, but it, it's, it's a possibility. So I feel like medicated food is very useful because then we know it's getting into the inside of the fish. Now with saltwater fish, this isn't as much of a problem because saltwater fish drink. Freshwater fish don't drink, or if they do, it's very rare that they drink because they naturally absorb so much fresh water due to osmotic pressure um, that they don't have to drink it. So because of osmotic pressure, they're basically like having an IV drip of fluids into them all the time. What that means is that it might be difficult for a lot of medicines to be absorbed into the fish because the fish is not ingesting it. It's not drinking the water that the medicine is dosed into. So I feel like lumpy dog that medicated food um, it is a super useful thing. And if there's an obvious infection or something you're worried about internally, then, then yeah, I, I think you should go for it. And depending on what you're trying to treat, you know, there's different ones and there's all kinds of them out there on eBay and stuff. I just, I don't use them not cause I don't think they're good, but just cause I use other things for kind of mass quantities. So I don't have any exact advice on them, but yes, I think they're a good tool in the toolkit. Dolly Vigil, still thinking about female thread fins. Still haven't seen any. Sorry, Dolly. Darren, I thought the live stream would be outside because <laughs> of the thumbnail. It's probably negative, I don't know, 10 degrees out there right now. So, yeah, no. <laughs> Actually, I think with wind chill tonight, it or not tonight, but right now, it's supposed to be like negative 30 or something. Wind chill's cheating, though. That just means it's cold and it feels colder because the wind's blowing. So it's probably a legitimate negative 10, negative 15 out there right now. Small fry aquarium fish. After shipping, my next problem is each customer that has their own idea of introducing a new fish. I'm a huge fan of plop and drop. Do you coach buyers one way or the other? Um, I do if they ask. And you could put you know, instructions, a lot of companies do this, like print up acclimation instructions or whatever, and put it in the box with the fish. So they know how to, how you would do it. The issue I have though, is like people send me fish with instructions and I'm going to do what I do anyway. I'm not going to follow their instructions because I'm going to go based on my experience. So 
I don't know how much good it does <laughs> to do that. Maybe though someone's brand new and has never acclimated fish before, maybe instructions would be nice. So that couldn't hurt. But I don't, um, unless they ask. If someone asks, then I'll give them all the advice in the world. But until someone asks, I personally don't give a lot of like, here's how I want you to do it. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Love me, dog. Tag your questions to Dan Fish with at Dan's Fish to grab his attention in the chat. Thanks. Yeah. So, hey, did I see Mile High Plecos? Hey, how's it going? Mikey, great to see you. I hope you're well. Um, I know you can't highlight because you're on a phone probably, and, and that is an issue. Um, but how's it going? Did you, are you back in Colorado? Like, what's going on, man? I just, <laughs> where are you at? What, what you doing? Um, but yes, so for the question or comment to highlight, if you start typing the at symbol and then start typing at, if you type at Dan's fish, no space, you'll see it populate, click it, it'll highlight, then I'll see it and get to it. If you're on a phone, that's might not work. Like my phone doesn't work when I try to do that. So maybe, um, if you could grab a mod's attention and they can bring it to my attention or something, but I just like to avoid that whole thing where you sit in silence for five minutes while I read through every comment to try to get, um, to a question or comment because people are chatting among themselves and, and doing all kinds of stuff in the chat. And I don't want to, it's just bad television when you're just watching me read. Uh, uh, Oh, here's, Oh no, no, that's not one. Um, Let's see. I mean, a couple minutes of that, <laughs> it's really boring. So that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, love you, dog. There you go. Cool. Who's having trouble? Is someone having trouble? Um, yeah, if you're on a phone, sometimes it doesn't work. I don't know why, but my Android, I have the problem sometimes. When I'm trying to tag someone, Dan Slee. We'll let you skip having to switch in the menu between me and Dan's fish. We'll let you skip having to switch in the menu between me and Dan's fish. My brain can't process that, Dan. I'm sure it makes total sense, but for some weird reason, I can't understand it. Yeah. I'm sorry. My brain's not processing your comment. I'm sure it makes all the sense in the world, but some reason it's not computing. Oh, you're telling them how to, cause you're, you're Dan too. I get it. Yeah, I got it. You're telling them how to skip between. Cool. 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 Now I understand. Cichlids 23. Hey, great to see you again. Welcome. Um, how many Rominos Tetras will go well in a 10 gallon? This is hard. This is a hard question to answer. There's so many variables and that sounds like I'm trying to dodge the question, but I'm not. So let me tell you some of the variables so you can make the best decision, because if you're asking the question, then you probably are unaware of some of the variables. So is the 10 gallon tank been going for a long time with fish in it without any problems? Meaning is it cycled and seasoned and mature? Are there lots of plants in it that can help absorb uh, ammonia nitrite? Those are the real issues. Um, 
How often do you change the water? How much do you feed? How big are the rummy nose? Are they full grown or are they little guys? What kind of filtration is on there? There's just so many variables. So basically, the, the more mature the tank and you know the more plants you have in it, the more you can put in there. If you have good tor- turnover in your filtration, you can put in some more. If you feed lightly, then you can put in some more. Um, if there's no other fish in the tank, you can put in even more. So it's really this, this kind of balancing thing. I mean, so you could fit a ton in there or just a few. I would say, okay, Rumino's like to school. In fact, a lot of fish like to be in groups, even if they aren't schooling fish, which Rumino's often are, even if they're just a shoaling fish, a lot of fish still cue off each other and like to be in a big group. So I'm going to say in a 10 gallon, if nothing else is in there, if you feed lightly, if you keep an eye on your parameters and know how to maintain that so there isn't ammonia nitrite spiking on you and uh, all that. And really key is a mature tank, not like just a freshly cycled tank where you have been doing it and you're like, oh, finally nitrite's done. Now I can put in a ton of fish. But if it's been really you know, going for a while, then I would say I would start with probably 10. That's a big enough group that they're going to feel comfortable. That's a small enough number that I don't feel like you're going to have a ton of trouble. Now, what I would do for the first while is I would feed really lightly. So I would feed once a day and just just a little bit. So everyone gets a little bit, right? And then, or maybe even, it depends on how mature the tank is, but let's say it's a mature tank. So I would do that. Then after five days, I would start feeding that same amount twice a day. And then after five more days, if you if if they still aren't getting enough food, then maybe just increase the amount a little bit each feeding. What you're trying to do basically is put fish in the tank without shocking the system. And you're trying to let the bacteria colony and the balance in the system grow gradually with the amount of food you're feeding the fish. So cichlids 23, that's one way to put new fish in a tank. Um, again, it has to be cycled. It has to be hopefully mature because especially rummy nose are going to just go belly up on you real quick if there's ammonia and things, at least in my experience. So you're just trying to, you know, let the system catch up to the new load if it needs to. So I hope that helps. I'm sorry there's no like, there's no like great answer. Um, what I will say is if at all possible, I would get a larger tank because Rominos do like to be in groups and they are active, but you can keep them in a, in a 10 gallon. It's just too few. They're not going to be comfortable. Too many are going to overwhelm that aquarium. So Kaler's Aquatics. Wow. Oh no. <laughs> thanks, Bob. 50 bucks from Bob. By the way, thanks again for last week, Bob, you and uh, King of DIY. That was wonderful for the reshipping fund or as most needed. Well, I hope there's no reshipping. Uh, oh, I hope not, but we'll see. But thanks, Bob. That's so generous of you. I really appreciate you. For those that uh, have been hanging out in the fish fam for a while, you've seen Bob like helping a lot of people on a lot of channels, giving advice, answering questions. He makes good videos and he does them kind of in a live format where if, if you have a question, he'll answer it right there. He knows his stuff. So it's a great resource. Use them. (laughs) 
Yeah, so far, haven't had to reship this week. I, I did reship, um, so here, how many, this might be interesting to some people. So last week I sent several hundred fish. I shouldn't have, but I did into that polar vortex. And I had to resend out of that many. Let's just see, that's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So I lost 16 fish last week. That's how many didn't arrive alive or how many uh, the owner told me, you know, they came in, they were stressed and they just didn't make it after a couple days. So 16 out of several hundred, not good because I'm used to zero losses, but when you look at those odds for the polar vortex and all the shenanigans that went on last week, not too bad. So I did have to reship uh, last week. So that was awesome that you and Joey helped out with that. Um, this week, my fingers are crossed. I don't know what it's going to be like. There's so many fish in the mail right now. Like, like again, I, I don't remember exactly how many, but I remember how much postage I paid and it was over a thousand bucks to send all these fish. So if you can imagine how, how many boxes of fish that is, it's a lot. Um, so yeah. Oh man, I hope I don't have to, but Bob, thanks for the super chat. Oh, I'm going to move on. I'm just obsessing about it and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm, curious how everyone's projects are doing. How's everyone's breeding projects doing? What are you all raising? I've changed some things. Um, so I'm breeding less species now, but I was able this week to send out, I think five pairs of Aphiosemian australi orange or gold, gold that um, I bred and raised right here. So that was, it's always satisfying. Like, yeah, you can buy fish and get them all healthy and then ship them. That's satisfying. But there's something about like being like, man, I raised these. Like these wouldn't be here if I didn't breed them. And I know they're healthy because I raised them, right? There's something great about raising your own fish and then distributing them to to other folks in the hobby. It's it's just one of the most satisfying parts of our hobby, I think. So curious what every other people are breeding out there. I know Reel's got like Frynado of Angelfish going. Um, I know that, um, yeah, some other slippery fish has a, a ton of angelfish fry, cracked the code, and now he's got a big group that he's raising. So just curious what other people are doing. Matthew Phila, hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. What's the most important piece of advice you'd give for someone who wants to start selling fish online? So I think the most, okay, so my mission statement here at Dance Fish kind of encapsulates it, I think. My, my mission is to delight the customer long-term. That's my mission. Now, and it almost always works. <laughs> so long-term is key. So in order to delight your customer long-term, what do you have to do? Well, you have to communicate with them. Um, you have to make sure that you're shipping them fish there is healthy and is have as good a chance to make it to them alive and do well for them long term as possible so you're not doing a turn and burn 
You know, you're only shipping fish that you sincerely think have the best chance to make it. So that kind of long-term thinking affects how you treat the customer and how you treat your fish. And then the other thing is it affects how you pack your fish. So not only are you selecting the best fish you can, but you're packaging them with as much care as you can so they get to the customer with the best chance of being healthy and as little stress shipping as possible. I mean, shipping stressful on fish. It's just going to be. But hopefully you've prepped them enough and and been able to ship them enough that they get their lives. So I'm not going to say like it's a bag size or oxygen or fasting the fish before you ship them or anything. I think it's really being customer centric with long-term thinking. And if you do that, then hopefully all the little bits and details you'll figure out and will fall into place. So, and if you, if you have that kind of thinking, you'll research, you'll, you'll look at how other people ship and you'll learn from everything um, that you can about it. And so that's what I guess I would say about the Phila. It's uh, how are you going to take care of your customer long-term with the end goal that the customer has a delightful experience that they're successful with your fish long-term. Why? Because then they stay in the hobby. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for this, as opposed to getting the fish, having them die. That was a horrible experience. I'm never doing that again, you know, and then they leave the hobby. So that's, it's all about kind of that, I think. So I wouldn't say it's one thing. I would say like one specific detail of the shipping process. I would say it's a mindset. I hope that doesn't sound like I'm dodging. If you have a question, spe- any specific question about shipping, I'm I'm happy to talk about it and I can drill down deep. <laughs> I can geek out on that as much as you want. Like uh, I'll be here geeking out about it and you all will have gone long. <laughs> You'll be done. <laughs> like I can talk to you about it as much as you want, Matthew Phyllis. So if there's something specific, let me know. But I'm going to go with the mindset. It can't be... How do I sell this fish and get rid of it before it dies on me so I don't have a loss? It can't be that. And it is that so often, unfortunately. I mean, just about every company that sells online, you read their their website or whatever, and they talk about, we only sell healthy fish and we work really hard to make sure and all that and stuff. And it's easy to say that. but I don't know that many people that actually do that. And I'm, there's two main things. I, there's three main things I have that I think we need to improve. This is number one is how do we change the mindset from how do I make a profit on this fish before it dies on me to how do I get this fish to the customer in a way that they're going to be successful, be delighted and stay in the hobby long-term. The second is, medication. It's taking care of our fish. It's like, we're so bad at it and it's not our fault. It's we're not doctors and there aren't fish doctors available. So that's the second part that, that I think we need to work really hard to improve. And then what is, Oh, and the third is killifish. I just love killifish and there's so much bad information about them out there and people are scared of them because of all the bad information. Like they, they die really soon. And they can't be with other fish and uh, all these things that are just not true for most of them. Um, but anyway, how did I get on that? I'm going to move on. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew Phil, you got me going. <laughs> like, Matthew Phil is like, I just asked an innocent question. 
<laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Way off, man. Sorry. <laughs> um, Lumpy Dog says, not just fish on get gills, shop for aquarium supplies too. Yep. And if you have stuff to sell, fish or fish-related schmaz, please post it on Get Gills. Uh, the more we can grow that site, the more... Um, it's basically this volume thing, right? If, if there's just a couple things on there, there's not enough interest to draw people in. There's not enough listed to make people want to go there. The more stuff we get on there, then the more we'll grow because the synergetic kind of... Exp- like just this exponential thing. I'm so not a math person. It's a logarithmic. I don't know what it is, but you know, the more you get on there, if you get every hundred things that get posted on there, many, it's then big enough for many thousands more people to be interested in the site basically. So yeah. So thanks lumpy dog. Appreciate that. Greg Jones, how proficient are bristle nose at eating Cory eggs? Um, I don't know because I've never bred Corys in tanks with Plecos, but I would think that they could suck them right down. Does anyone else know? I'm sure other people have had this happen. Um, I'm pretty sure if I was a Pleco and Cory spawned and then the lights went off, I'm pretty sure by morning they would be gone. That's my guess. Does anyone know? I don't know because I've never been in that in a scenario where that happened, but... TM Aquatics, debating on a group of albino dantum angelfish for my next breeding project. That sounds awesome. What's the debate? <laughs> Is it the albino part? Um, yeah, I mean, they're a beautiful, for those that don't know, let's, let's show people what this is. Okay. These are cool. I think they're just really beautiful. Like, like you still have the pattern, right? Um, well, these just look like platinums in this picture just because of how the picture is. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do it. <laughs> Like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> What's keeping you, TM? What's the debate? Um, Dalton Young. So I am new to the channel and found you because of a picture of a red-eye, red albino hyphen cauliflower swordtail. Cool. I'm interested in buying some from you. Why no males? No males because the supplier didn't ship me any males. Trust me, I want males. Um, <laughs> so the first time I bought from the supplier... They're really hard to find. Um, I was finally found some. Yes. So got them. And there were a few males, like one male to every three females, which isn't great, but I could at least sell them as groups, like one male to two females, one male to three females. So trios or breeding groups. So um, that went well. Because of course everyone wants a male because they want to breed and because the male has the sword and all that. So this next round, I ordered from the same supplier, thinking I'd have about the same sex ratio. Nope, they sent me all females. So that's why there's no males for sale is because I don't have any. In fact, I looked at uh, the supply today 
because I wanted to tell the supplier, listen, I want to order more, but you sent me all females. So now I've got all these females that are hard to move because everyone wants a male. It's a sword tail. They want a sword. <laughs> so I'll order from you again. If you'll guarantee me that this next batch, you'll send half of them at least be males. That'll allow me to sell then trios because my customers want males. And um, unfortunately, they aren't even available anymore, males or females. So the supply is dried up. Um, they're, they're really expensive because they're not a common fish. They're hard to get. And unfortunately, as of today, I can't get any more. Now, next week, they might be available again. I never know. But that's why, um, Dalton, I, I wish I could sell you males. Um, I mean, the females are still beautiful and wonderful, but I, I will admit I was a little disappointed when I took them out of the box. I saw these beautiful red eyed red cauliflower hyphen sword tails, held them up. I was like, yes, not a male in the bag. So actually, I, I take that back. There's there aren't any males that I know of. There is one fish that doesn't have any kind of anal fin that I can see. So I don't know if it's a male or female and got an injury. Um, that's what I would suspect. So I have one that I don't know if it's male or female, but if it's male, it's not going to do the job. It doesn't have the equipment. Um, and then there's another one that I think is female, but the anal fins like maybe slightly pointed. What it looks like maybe is that it's an immature fish that's maybe barely starting to become a male, but these are big. I'm pretty sure that unless it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure that a sword tail that size, if it was male, like a true male, would already have uh, started displaying, uh, growing its, its sexual characteristics. So I don't think there's any males there. Now there might, they might surprise me. There are cases where if you have all females of, of a species of fish, some of them can turn into males. Um, so maybe that'll happen, but I don't know how fertile they are at that point or anything like that. So I've, I've never actually experienced it. I've just heard of this. So it's not something I'm an expert on or anything. Jackson, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Jackson Borkowski, not a breeding project, but I spent the last week converting the bedroom in my apartment into a fish and reptile room. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Amazing. So um, what are the details? Like, I mean, if you don't mind sharing how, how many... I mean, reptiles, yay, but let's talk about the fish. So um, how many aquariums? What size? Is it auto exchange? Are you doing manual water changes? What do you hope to do in there? Is it for display? Are you breeding? Uh, you know, what's going on? I want details, man. Details. <laughs> um, all right. Wow. Wow. Um, this just jumped on me. Okay, fine. There we are. Small fry aquarium. My breeding projects are long fin super red bushy nose are on eggs. Cool. I knew that because I saw that video of them. Uh, it looked like they were about to lay eggs from that male flirting. Long fin albino bushy nose are on eggs. Actually, those are the ones I saw, I think. L333s are on eggs. Man. And I've got several hundred black bar endlers perpetually spawning. Well, Craig, that's crazy. That's like a, a cornucopia of uh, <laughs> a fish coming up. That's great. Oh, wait, am I missing something? Greg Jones is saying 
The crown tail half moon you can use safe. Oh, Lumpy Dog was bringing crown tail half moons. Um, question to my attention. He wasn't asking about a crown tail half moon. Okay, looks like um, Greg Jones is helping you out, Crown Tail. Well, good. Greg, know, uh, Greg knows his stuff, so um, sounds good. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought that Lumpy Dog was, like, asking me about a Crown Tail Half Moon that he had and about medicated food. I didn't realize he was trying to bring my attention to, to you. <laughs> I, I apologize. Um Yeah, okay. Greg's got you. Um, and he knows his stuff. So instead of like searching up forever to find what's going on and try to catch up, I'll let you guys, I'll let you gentlemen sort it out. But Crown Tail Half Moon, um, if you know the specific thing you're trying to treat, if you post it below, now that I know what's going on, sorry about that, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit. But I don't want to like read through the whole thing to, to find what I missed. That'd just be bad TV. Um... Okay. Cory boy. Hey, good to see you. It's been forever. I'm glad you dropped by. Glad you're still around. Wichita Falls Fish Keeper. Have you tried any hot wire styro table cutters? I've been shopping around. I don't care for my handheld cutter. Maybe I don't have a quality one. Um, yeah, I have. Um, Lots of different ones. I honestly can't say one's any better than the other. They're, they're all a hot, you know, they're just all a hot wire with a flat board underneath. So I don't know that I have one to recommend over another Wichita. But yeah, much easier to use accurately, especially if you put a little fence on there like a table saw so you can cut your styrofoam in a straight line. Much easier to make shipping insulation liners that way, for sure, than trying to freehand it or use a knife or whatever. I used to do that, but yeah. Um, hey, I'm missing a super chat here. I am sorry. The Fish Tank Barn says, for the tip jar. Well, hey, thanks. Appreciate that. The former MHow9. <laughs> it takes us a little while to switch to new names, I suppose. And loved your video. Was it today or yesterday? The live food feeding stream. That was yesterday. So for those that are curious what's going on in the fish tank barn, um, did a whole like round the world feeding fish live stream, I think yesterday afternoon. So it's on his channel and you'll get to see some fish. I sold him when back in November, I think that, uh, now they're all big adults. So it was kind of cool. I, I don't know. That's really satisfying to me when I see someone having my fish like months later and they're big and they're in good shape and they're probably breeding and stuff. It's just really nice to know that's happening. Bathy Phillip, I definitely understand treating the customer the way you would want to be treated. Yep. I guess, is there anything you would wish you had known that isn't obvious until you have done online sales? Yes. Many, many things. It's, um, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know until you know that you don't know it. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, it's like anything in life. You learn as you go. Um, I guess one that maybe isn't that obvious is that 
even if you fast the fish for a day or two, they're still going to poop in the bag. So um, you might not know that. You might be like, hey, I, I fasted the fish. I'm going to put it in the bag and send it. Odds are when you put it in the bag, it's going to, in the next few hours, go ahead and defecate because of, I don't know, the stress or because of whatever. Live bearers are the worst of this because they eat anything. You stop feeding them. They don't care. They just nibble on biofilm or on grunge or mulm or their own poop, whatever. Um, any kind of like omnivore type scavenger type fish really bad at this. Cause even if you stop feeding, they're going to find stuff to eat. So a trick for that is you fast the fish for a day. Then the day before you're going to ship the fish, catch the fish, put it in the bag. Don't seal it. Just put it in there. And then the next morning when you're going to pack them, they'll probably have defecated in the bag. Then you, uh, empty the fish out of the bag, put it in a new bag with fresh shipping solution in it. And it's, and it's more likely that it's going to get there in good shape. One of the worst things that can happen is you put a fish in a bag, you seal it all up, you ship it, and you don't know that a little while after you did that, it defecated in the bag and now there's ammonia brewing. So that's one thing about the filler that I think you probably wouldn't easily know because if you're the one doing the shipping instead of the one receiving the fish, you don't know that happened because you don't see it on the other side, right? So maybe that's one thing. I think the importance of salt in shipping water, for me, it's really important and that's not something that's intuitive. Um, I'm just trying to keep them as stress-free as possible and salt really helps with that. Heat packs. Here's one. Um, a lot of people will put a heat pack in a box and not secure it. And what will happen is as the, the box is going through the mail or whatever, that heat pack will jiggle down maybe in under the bag or in direct contact with the water in the bag. And it can overheat that water and, uh, and the fish can die because it gets so hot. So you want to fasten the heat back somewhere to where it's very unlikely that it's going to come in contact long term with the water in the bag. The other thing that you might not know is that if you, um, if the heat pack can't absorb oxygen, it doesn't heat. So a little pink stripe across the heat pack, you can't put anything there that'll block oxygen. Like you can't put tape over that. Um, you, you have to kind of secure the heat pack in a way that it can still breathe. So figuring out how to do that can be important. I wrap it in newspaper and tape on the sides, but not on the pink strip. Um, or if I do tape on the pink strip or I'm worried that the newspaper is so thick that it's not going to breathe well, then I'll poke a hole, um, in the middle of the heat pack on that, on that kind of pink line. So it can absorb some, some oxygen that way. So I'll poke it through the newspaper so that the heat pack can breathe. Those are a few things. There's, oh, it's so nuanced. There's, there's so many things that I mean, those are ones that are popping in my mind right now, Bathyphila. Mob Guppy, the artiste has arrived. All right. <laughs> Glad you're here. <laughs> Philly Man Pete, what is your recommendation for medicating Finra on a beta? I'm currently using API erythromycin and no tangible results. So, um, 
So erythromycin is not my go-to antibiotic. I know it's very popular, and I think that using it prophylactically with other things when you get new fish in and a quarantine thing, I think that that's better than doing nothing. But here's the thing about it. Again, it's it's useful in a lot of scenarios, and a lot of people have had success with it for, for a lot of things. Um, and I'm not saying it's useless and you shouldn't use it. That's not what I'm saying. But the most common bacteria in our aquariums, from the research I've done, again, I'm not a fish vet, are Aramonis and Columnaris. They are both gram-negative. Erythromycin treats gram-positive bacteria, and it's not very effective against gram-negative bacteria. Gram-positive bacteria, there's a very common one in our aquarium, Streptococcus. You'll all get a good laugh out of how I say that, I bet. Um, I think I've seen that right, which is basically, from what I understand, a, a version of kind of what strep, like we get, which is gram-positive. So what I would say is that if you aren't having results with erythromycin, then maybe it's not a gram-positive medication, and maybe you should switch to a medication that does gram-negative. For me, my go-tos for that are a mix of canamycin and nitrofurazone. I use furin-2, just the API furin-2, and canamycin. The reason I use canamycin is because that is absorbed through the skin of the fish. So that'll help them with any internal bacterial infection. Whereas the nitrofurazone will be quite effective on anything external. It doesn't absorb quite as well. There's like this synergetic thing that happens between canamycin and nitrofurazone from my research. And from my experience, it works pretty well. So what I would say is now, okay. So what I would say is, is the temperature high, like mid-80s would be great for a sick beta. Is it in an environment where the water is clean? Um, one caveat that you should know is canamycin and nitrofurazone, they'll kill the bacteria in your filter. So you'll probably need to treat the beta in a separate tank so that you don't destroy its environment if you're using a filtered like small aquarium, like a five and a half gallon aquarium or something. Don't treat it in the aquarium because um, nitrifying bacteria is gram-negative, and this medicine is very effective against gram-negative bacteria, and you don't want to wipe out your filter. So the way I, if that was my fish, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not like, I don't have degrees. I don't have a certificate of veterinary medicine. Um, So I'm not qualified to diagnose and to and to prescribe medicine for fish. But if that was my fish, what I would do is move it to a separate aquarium. Um, I would make sure it was warm, mid eighties. I would put salt in there. And there's a great video by the fish doctor. If one of the mods can find it, if you Google in, or if you YouTube, the fish doctor salt, a video will come up where an actual fish veterinarian talks about the right concentration of salt to use to help with osmotic regulation. That's the concentration I would use. Um, And I would use canamycin erythromycin. Or, I'm sorry, not (laughs) don't do that. Canamycin and nitrofurazone. I would also, actually that's all I would do. Those, I don't know if those medicines play nice with other medicines. So that's what I would do. I'd keep the, uh, that 
the bed in that solution for a few days and see if there's improvement. Now I'd be testing twice a day, morning and night, to make sure ammonia and nitrites aren't spiking because I'm keeping the beta in an environment where there isn't active filtration because of the medicines I'm using, right? Now, if after a few days you see improvement, great, keep it in there for a while and hopefully it'll improve all the way. Now, that being said, if I'm trying to treat something and my go-to is canamycin and nitrofurazone and it's not effective, then my backup is erythromycin or other medicines like it, because then the odds are that it's not a gram-negative bacteria I'm going for, it's something gram-positive and I need to switch up my medication routine. So it's tricky because you don't want to just be like, well, I treated for a day and it's not better, so I'm going to switch. You don't want to do that. You have to give it a chance. But if the medicine is not effective, then, um, and you're treating for gram-positive, then switch to something that does gram-negative and vice versa. And hopefully one of those will work. Yeah, that's kind of the best I've got for you. And and if it's not, if the bed is kind of cold, mid 80s, uh, give it, it'll have a much better chance at a higher temperature. So Philly Man Pete, that's, that's my thoughts on that. So yeah, and I missed a super chat. So I'm gonna get to that because I like to thank people for throwing money at me. <laughs> I don't even have to wear a thong and dance and people just throw money at me. It's great. John Willis, thank you for being honest, transparent, and using your time to help others. Hey, John, thank you. I appreciate you being here and being active and, hey, throwing a super chat down. That's that's great. Every bit helps. Again, always appreciated, never required. Um, let's see, where are we at? Reels Tanks. I have had Cory eggs last five days with Pleco Tank. Okay, there you have it. Apparently, it can be done. <laughs> Man, I would have thought for sure that those plecos would have just been like, ooh, this is delicious and eating all the cory eggs. But apparently, apparently that's not the case. So, so Reel's real experience proves me wrong, at least in his situation. Dolly Vigil, cyanobacteria, how do I get rid of it? Um, erythromycin is is what people generally are told to use on that. But here's how I do it. I don't use medicine for cyanobacteria. When I get cyanobacteria, it tells me, oops, there's something imbalanced in my aquarium. I need to figure it out. I did have an outbreak of it a few months ago. And what had happened is I just had some plant die off. So the plants that have been like actively like sucking up all the uh, ammonia and nitrites and nitrates, kind of started to die off, it took me a while to notice. And because they were dying off and not sucking up all that nutrition, uh, the cyanobacteria was like, hey, free nutrition, it just took off. So to me, it's like kind of like an algae, really. So here's how I treat it. I don't use medicines. Um, I I hear tell though that erythromycin does kill cyanobacteria. I I don't know that, but lots of people have said that. So I I trust that that can happen. If you're looking for a quick fix, for it. But here's what I would do. I take out all that you can easily take out, like scrape it out, get it out of the tank. Then what I do is I take a big bush of water Sprite and I stick it in there. I clean out kind of the, the mechanical filtration so that I get all the mold and gross stuff out, kind of clean the tank up. 
you know, you don't want to shock your biological filtration, of course, but everything you could do mechanically to kind of get things cleaned up is great. And that water sprite is the key for me. Hang on, just a sec. <laughs> I forgot to uh, click that over earlier. Um, and that water sprite is the key for me. Water sprite grows so fast, it sucks up so many nutrients that it outcompetes the uh, cyanobacteria. And it doesn't do it overnight, by the way. It's, it's a, a long process. It can take a couple months, but I feel like by doing that, it's a, a better way to do it without shocking the system and everything. Now, that being said, my aquariums are not like beautiful display aquariums. They're very uh, pragmatic. They're very utilitarian tanks. So it's not like this big, beautiful tank in my living room that, that kind of has to look good because all the guests come over and see it and, and all that stuff. So um, for me, it's okay to do a gradual kind of natural fix and just get that aquarium back in balance. Um, that's fine. However, if I had a big display tank, I would I'd probably try urethromycin, how, see how it went. What I wouldn't do, though, is dump a bunch of urethromycin in with a whole bunch of cyanobacteria, blue-green algae, um, in there. Because then, if it kills that, then I'm going to get an ammonia spike. So, if you do medicate, I think it would probably be best to remove as much of that stuff as you can manually before you medicate. Just so that, um, yeah, you don't kill it and then have all this stuff rotting in your tank and cause problems. That being said, um, yeah, erythromycin's the drug I've heard of that people use. And I don't know how much erythromycin impacts a biological filter. Um, so it's mainly gram positive, but it does have some effect on some gram negative bacteria. So I don't know, maybe someone in here has used it and can chime in if they had problems with it. I would hate to say use erythromycin and then have like your entire biological system in your big display tank <laughs> go on the fritz. But uh, Dolly, hopefully that, hopefully some of that information was useful. Feeling man, Pete. Hey, thanks for the super chat. 10 bucks. Thank you for your thoughtful response on possible medications. I did not know that furin 2 combats gram negative uh, bacteria. Yeah, uh, furin 2 is a combination of different nitrofurazones. Very helpful, much appreciated. It is, however, most effective when you use it in, in conjunction with canamycin, just because the canamycin gets inside the fish. And, and there can be a lot going on internally by the time we see something externally. Um, but thank you, Philly Man Pete. Thanks so much for the super chat. Appreciate it very much. <laughs> Wichita Falls, please don't dance. I don't know. I'm feeling a groove, Wichita. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. No, you're safe. Priscilla. Hey, Priscilla, how you doing? I didn't even put my question with dance fish. I give up. Well, <laughs> Steenfa. Hey, Steenfa. Glad you're here, man. Just so you know, Bob, I've watched every live stream you've ever done. I just usually catch it on the replay or while I'm lurking, while I'm in the fish room, but I've caught them all. Keep it up. I love, I love what you do. Um, so Priscilla, I meant to ask you 
the other day when you told me that you had a bunch more fry from the Endlers that I gave you, I was going to ask you, what portion of those came out with a black top and an orange belly? Did any of them? Because I remember when I gave you those, they were, it was early on in the project. And I'm just curious, um, it was a few generations ago. I'm curious uh, what percentage kind of bred out as Santa Maria's, um, if any, because if I remember right, that was pretty early on. So just curious how that went. I was thinking about that the other day. Lumpy Dog says, check out Dan's mobile phone uploads on the Facebook page. Yep. Every now and then, like for shipping stuff, I'll show stuff I'm shipping out. I, I need to be more active on there, but there is some cool stuff on there. Uh, often if you order a fish, I'll, I'll take a picture of it while I'm packaging it up and get it out for you to see. Um, however, <laughs> sometimes shipping is just so darn busy that I'm like working against the clock, but yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks lumpy dog. Oh, for those who aren't on it yet, if you're interested, there's a Facebook group. It's the get gills Facebook group. It's pretty darn active and it's more than me just promoting my stuff. Like on the Dance Fish Facebook group, I kind of promote my store and my stuff. So if you want to know when something's listed for sale, like uh, I was trying to list the Geophagus Wine Millerite today all day and I, I couldn't get to it. So tomorrow I plan on doing that. But anyway, when I do, I'll post on the Facebook page. Hey, I just posted these for sale. I don't like to gum up the Get Gills Facebook page or group with promotional stuff. So I don't usually put it there, but if you're interested in how to use get gills or it's more than that, just fish care question and discussions and videos and questions. It's a pretty active community at the get gills Facebook page. Um, if you're interested in knowing when do I list something new for sale? When does, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's kind of the dance fish Facebook page. So yeah, let me die. Question above crown tail half moon. Okay. Last try, can you use tetracycline and metronidazole together in homemade medicated fish foods? Could heat from gelatin denature meds. All right. Hey, Crown Tail Halfman. So Crown Tail, sorry about before. Um, I, I, again, I misunderstood what Lumpy Dog was doing before and it's, it hasn't been highlighting for me. So sorry, I missed it. I do not know if you can combine tetracycline and metronidazole. I'm sorry. I don't know. Tetracycline, in my experience, hasn't been a very uh, effective medication, so I haven't used it in, in years. That being said, I have it on hand in case I go through nitrofurazone and canamycin. Those don't work. Okay, I try erythromycin. Okay, that doesn't work. Well, then I'll try oxytetracycline or something. Um, <clears throat> something to be aware of with tetracycline, it's one of the few medications, you have to be a little careful with it because after its expiration date, it actually starts becoming toxic. So most medications, if they expire, you can still use them. They just might not be as effective. Like their effectiveness might gradually decrease. And I say might because I don't think a lot of companies even know if they're actually bad. They just have to put a date. So they kind of test to a certain point and then make a date. That's that's my feel for it anyway. I'm not a pharmacologist, but, um, but oxytetracycline or tetracycline, um, tetracycline will actually become toxic. So just be careful, make sure that it's not expired. Make sure that it's a fresh medicine if you're trying to use it. Um, I have used erythromycins without any problem with uh, metronidazole, but I haven't used, and I have used uh, the 
Nope, I haven't used that one with it. Um, hang on, I'm trying to, yeah. I was thinking of another one, um, triple sulfa, which I haven't used with it. So erythromycin I've used with metronidazole without a problem. Triple sulfa I've used with ICX, not with metronidazole. Um, and I've, I don't make net medicated food, so I can't help you with that one. That being said, if you go here, I think these guys have some instructions on making some medicated food. And there's also a good video that Rachel O'Leary did, which I'll tell you about in just a second. So if you go here, American Aquarium Products, it'll off, there's a section on here about making medicated food. Or let's see if we can just help you out real quick. Um, let's see here. Metronidazole. It might give us dosages here, which could be useful. Metronidazole. Oh, looks like you can use metronidazole with nitrofurazone. Cool. To prepare medicated, oops, sorry. To prepare medicated fish food with flake, freeze-dried or frozen, one measure Metronidazole per 15 minutes of fish food soaking for an average 60. So this will um, give you some idea of how to make it with metronidazole. And then if you, if you kind of glean through this site, it might tell you if oxytetracycline can in fact, or tetracycline can in fact be mixed with metronidazole. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll let you, I'll let you do that research, but, um, oh shoot. <laughs> Hang on. Hoping it back to the stream. Okay. There I am. <laughs> I accidentally did that like over the screen I was using. So crown tail half moon. Um, the other thing that might be useful is Rachel O'Leary did a video of making medicated fish food with rapashi, which is a, a gel food, which you boil. Um, or use hot water in. And she talks in there about the dosage and how she does it. And what she did basically was she made her rapashi and then she let it cool down as much as she could. And then when she couldn't let it cool down anymore without it kind of being solid, she mixed in, I believe she used bifurin, which is, I believe, nitrofurazone. Um, on that website I just shared with you, there might be information on making tetracycline into a, a medicated food. And you can also on eBay, you can get medicated food with oxytetracycline in it, with metronidazole in it, with lots of stuff in it. So that's kind of the best I've got for you because me personally, I just don't use it. So hopefully that gets you started somewhere. If you go to YouTube and, go, and type in Rachel O'Leary and then like medicated food or something, you should be able to find that video. She has a really old Oscar that got an infection and she treated it with, uh, by making her own food. And she kind of goes through that. So I'm sorry. I wish I had more for you, Crown Tail Halfman. It's just not something I personally have a lot of experience with. Priscilla MKR, about 20%. Cool. But Michael has two males that are 100% Santa Maria. Gonna snatch those. Cool. Well, mine are just about getting to the point where I'm going to be able to, uh, to start selling them and then be satisfied that when they breed for people, that they'll be pretty much all Santa Maria's. So I'm excited about that project. Thanks for sharing that with me, Priscilla. That's awesome. And I'm glad you're getting some. That's good. Waiting on the fry to get bigger to do a coal. All right. Well, 
<laughs> You've got a Fahaka puffer. <laughs> Coin shouldn't be a problem. Terry's tropical tanks. By the way, Coin doesn't necessarily mean you're killing the fish. I get that. It just means you're not breeding fish that aren't ideal to pass on the genes. I get it. Terry's tropical tanks. Do you have a bulk source or how do you buy your canamycin? Um, yeah, I have a bulk source through China, but there's also um, ARG. Rift Lake Aquatics on eBay um, sells it. And in a pinch, I'll get it from there. So if you go to eBay and just, I'll let you do it. If you go to eBay and type canamycin fish medicine, then you'll be able to get, I think, Rift Lake Aquatics. I think they sell 100 grams for, um, oh, what am I doing? Are we in an infinite loop? Sorry about that. Uh, I think they sell 100 grams for about 70, 80 bucks, something like that. So that would be worth checking out. And by the way, um, 100 grams, unless you're treating like a massive aquarium or lots of aquariums, it'll last you a while. But uh, before before anyone jumps into like canamycin and nitrofurazone and stuff, though, do some research, like go to American Aquarium Products and at least read up on them because um, they'll have some hints about the nuances of treatment. And they'll also have a list of things that you really should avoid treating with those medicines. So you're not hopefully mixing things together that could actually harm your fish. So it's it's good to know those things. Um, yeah. Lolo, oh, hey, glad you're here. Hey, should I use two 50-watt heaters for 15-gallon or should I keep the one? I mean, it's it kind of depends. Is it in a freezing cold basement in Wyoming or is it in like a nice warm living room in California? Um, it really depends. Oh, heaters. I'm Thank goodness I haven't had to use heaters in years. I hate them. I just hate them. Uh, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if you use two, then if one fails, then you'll have a backup. So that's a good thing. I'm also thinking if you use two, like if one fails off, that's a good thing. I'm also thinking though, if you use two and one fails on and boils your fish, then you've just increased the chances that you'll have one fail on by two. So I don't know. I mean, let me tell you what I would do. And this, I don't know your scenario. This might be the totally wrong thing for you, but um, I would just put one in the tank. That's what I would do. Of course, I tell you that tomorrow it'll fail off. All the fish will die because they'll get too cold and you'll be like, if I had two, you know, so I don't know. I don't know, Lolo. Um, 44 Mag Guy 1. How many do we have watching? I haven't checked that the whole time. 57. Hey, for this little channel, 57 is good. What cycling method do you recommend for new tanks? I'm thinking about using the shrimp method. Um, is the shrimp method like dead shrimp, throw it in the tank, let it rot? Um, you can do that. I've never used that. What I prefer is kind of, well, okay. I'm lucky. I have fish friends that have established aquariums that I can get media out of. I have plenty of established aquariums of my own I can get media out of. I always have sponge filters in well-cycled aquariums, multiple filters I can grab one out of. I have lava rock I can grab it out of a tank and cycle 
things a little more quickly, plants I can throw in. So if you have, a, if you're in a situation where you can get some cycled media um, and, and put that in the tank to help jumpstart you, that's what I would do. But personally, my favorite way to do it is use black worms and scuds and snails and little critters. So if you can go to your local pet store, get the tank all set up, get it running. If you can go to your local pet store and buy some black worms, like a good amount of black worms. I don't know how big your tank is, but um, in, a, in a tank like the one behind me, in a, I don't know, in a 75 gallon tank, I'd put in a, a pound of black worms, say. Then feed the black worms, keep them alive, keep them going. Those will cycle your tank for you. You won't have to worry about fish dying. Black worms are pretty hardy. Um, if you don't grossly overfeed, they're probably gonna be okay. And test your tank and once it's gone through the cycle, then you're probably good to start adding fish. You didn't hurt any fish. And when you put the fish in there, they've got this lovely live food that they can go and eat, right? So that, I don't know, that's my favorite way to do it. You can also use like a big group of scuds. You can use snails, you can use critters. That's my, my favorite way to do it. I've never just taken like a, a shrimp, like a popcorn shrimp or whatever from the supermarket and thrown it in a tank and been like, I'll come back in a month and be ready to go. I've, I've never tried that. Um, I don't, personally, I don't like the idea of, of stuff rotting in the tank. Cause yeah, that creates ammonia, but it also creates all kinds of bacteria. And most of our fish get sick by stuff because they're stressed and the stuff has an opportunity to latch onto them. So like Aramonas, that's in all, that's in all your tanks. Like no one gave your fish Aramonas. It's in your tank. What happened is the fish got in a stressful situation. Aramonas had an opportunity to overwhelm the fish's immune system. And now you got an infection. I worry that, and I don't know, but I worry that if you're creating an environment where there, there's a lot of rot and a lot of bacteria going, that um, the bacteria population will get so high that when you put fish in there, if they're stressed at all, you might have a problem. That's what I worry about. So yeah, those are my thoughts about it. Um, my preferred method is critters, living critters. Bathyphila, Crown Tail Half Moon. The site was just reference, had a note not to mix tetracycline with other meds. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's one thing I like about that site is it'll often tell you, don't mix this with this though. Like you can mix this with this one and this one with this one. And these actually work better in combination, but don't use it with this other thing. You know, that's, that's really useful information. Cichlids 23, what are the best types of plants to put in there for rummy nose tetras? Well, for me, it's water sprite. But honestly, it's, it's, it's any plant you can keep alive. Personally, I like water sprite because it floats. I don't have to worry about it rooting um, or anything like that. I just put it in the tank and it floats. It's close to the light and so it grows super fast. It sends out these lovely roots that the fish love to swim around. And what I like about it is it's hardy and because it's so fast growing, it just sucks up waste like crazy. It really helps keep the water pure. It's like pothos, but it's water sprite. You know, the same thing we do with pothos, put a pothos plant in there. So the roots will suck up ammonia and nitrogen. 
Um, the water sprite does that. And what I found is that fish just love that. There's a little bit of cover. Some fish, especially when they're newly introduced, will want to hang out kind of under the water sprite because it's darker, they'll feel more secure. So that's, if I could only keep one plant ever, that's the one I would choose. Um, it's just hardy, fast growing, does a great job. But it could be anything, could be anything, honestly. For me, it's plants I can keep alive because I'm not a plant guy. So if it's hardy, great, check. Um, if I'm using it to help with ammonia nitrite, then I want it to be fast growing. Those are kind of the two requirements for me. Tech Turtle, I've never heard of that cycle method, but I like it. Yeah, it's, it's worked great for me. I have a video somewhere on the Dance Fish channel um, where I talk about using it. It's how I cycle this tank behind me, a bunch of black worms and snails and stuff. Um, just cause I, yeah, I, I don't know. If I can not stress fish out, I, I try not to. When do you think we'll have the Amazon puffers for sale? Um, so I don't know for sure, but they're doing pretty well. They're getting a lot closer. So um, some of the, some of them are actually pretty much all healed up. You would never know there was a problem. Those ones I'm just trying to fatten up a little bit. Some of them in there are still a little skinny. Um, so where we're at right now is treated the ick, treated the bacterial infections. Uh, this last week, they kind of went through a couple rounds of general cure. So that's metronidazole and prazi, quentinol to help with any internal parasites, or at least some different internal parasites and external parasites too. Uh, yesterday, I put in the first round of levamisol. I'll wait a, two more days, I think, put in another round, wait a little while, do another round, just to make, because that'll take care of like camelinus worms and things like that. So right now, the levamisol is kind of the last medicine I anticipate giving them because they're doing great. Um, now it's just a matter of, you know, getting more fat on them, <laughs> really. So, oh, and the other thing is the tail fins, a lot of them came in in horrible shape. Like the tail fins were clamped and like rotted halfway up. Some of them almost to the caudal peduncle, which is horrible because once it gets there, it's serious. But most of those have grown back. Some have grown back completely and you would never know there was a problem. Some, they're still a little ragged. They just haven't grown in all the way yet. So that's the other thing that has to happen. So, um... But they're doing good now. Most of them are swimming around with their caudal fin all fanned out. They're not surfing the glass. They're comfortable. Um, they're doing great. And I took some video today. I've been taking video. I've taken four or five videos just so I can show the process. Uh, we're real close. I'll take a couple more videos. And then I'm going to make a video on uh, kind of how to get puffers back to health, basically. So Tech Turtle, I, I anticipate... It's hard to tell. Each fish is so different, but I would think within a week or two, they'd be ready to go. The last batch, it, it was a month, I think, before I felt like they were ready. So, yeah, that's where we're at. All right. Um, Crown Tail Half Moon. Didn't highlight, but I saw it because of the snakes or the dragons. Dragons? I can't really tell. They're tiny. Any information on propagating moss balls and needs for plants? Oh, I am not the right guy for that. I'm like, I'm... Fish, I can tell you about. Plants, I've never gotten into. I keep plants to serve the fish. So I just choose hardy stuff I can't kill. 
I've never propagated moss balls. I don't think I've ever kept a moss ball in my fish room. So I'm sorry, crown tail, but not I. I would steer you wrong <laughs> on that. I mean, I can grow like Java fern and Java moss and water sprite and stuff without any problem. Other stuff I can sometimes do all right, but then I'll make a mistake. Like like this, oh, wrong one. This this was beautiful Ludwigia. This was beautiful pogo stem and um, Ocelotus octopus. Hardy plants, quick growing, quick growing, easy to do. I managed to like not quite kill them, but almost kill them off. They're starting to slowly come back. <laughs> like <laughs> who can kill that stuff? I can. So I'm not the plant guy for sure. Um, all right. I think we're going to call it. It's 840. Hey, Candy. Good to see you. I, I, if you've been here a long time and I'm just now seeing it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Candy. Um, I'm going to shut this down pretty soon. But first, I just want to say to anyone that's still waiting on their fish, I don't know what the delay is this week. I, I did not see it coming at all. Like weather was good and everything as far as what I saw from temperatures across the United States. So I have no clue what's going on. Um, man, I hope they get to you tomorrow. Uh, just know that I'll take care of you. Once they arrive, please let me know how they arrive and uh, we'll take it from there. They're, if they get to you by the end of the day Thursday, I think we'll be okay. If they don't make it till Friday, then I get really nervous because I worry about the heat packs starting to run out. So uh, I, I'm thinking of you. I'll do everything I can to uh, to help you through whatever happens. Um, oh, one more thing here. Tech Turtle, do you do anything with green spotted puffers? No, I full fresh for me. Uh, stuff that needs brackish water, I don't really mess with. And yeah, so, I mean, yes, I've kept them in pet stores and sold them in pet stores that I worked at and things like that. And in my experience, they're lovely pet, but you can have one in a tank with nothing else in it. That's pretty much what I've seen because they're, they're aggressive little suckers to each other and to other fish. So, and, and, you know, you got to keep it brackish. If you can keep it brackish and you're willing to do the work to mix the salt and keep the carbonate hardness up and all that stuff. And if you um, are willing to keep just a single puffer in an aquarium with nothing else, in my opinion, then great. It'll make a great pet you know, but it'll be just as outgoing and personable as any other puffer. They're just aggressive. So, um, okay. Where was I? So we're going to shut it down. Oh yeah. So thanks to everyone who, uh, chatted, everyone who helped, uh, crown tail half moon, uh, with his questions when I was missing them. Thank you so much or helped anyone else. The folks that super chatted, I really, really appreciate it. Always appreciated. Never required, but every bit's helpful. And, um, by the way, I never do these live streams for the purpose of trying to get super chats, but it's always nice when they come in and it makes the wife super happy. So thank you. Um, <laughs> um, and to, let's see, who, oh, the mods. Thanks mods for modding. I appreciate you very much. Everyone who is lurking, I feel you. With that, I think I'm going to shut it down. Thanks everybody. Good night.